What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Last week, you heard an episode with Overcast where we both sounded a little bit sick. We probably talked about, oh, it's not the coronavirus. I don't remember, because we recorded that probably... 10 weeks ago, maybe. It was a long time ago. So we recorded that right before the world shut down. So perhaps as you've been following along in the last few episodes since we came back, you've noticed that I didn't talk about quarantine or the coronavirus or safer from home orders or whatever. And that's because full transparency, I was recording all those episodes from like January and February. So now, here we are in May, is May 12th, and I'm going to make it a habit of starting to record the intros a little later than I record the episodes to kind of keep the world more in context, I guess, because I realize like recording the intros the day that I do the interviews, sometimes the world can drastically change in a month or two months when the episode actually comes out. And this is a really fine example of that. It was like the world blessed me or blessed Ben and I with like being able to bring the show back. And then all of a sudden the world was like, but don't get too comfortable because you're not going to be able to record again for two months and like maybe you'll be on the skin of your teeth again and I'm like fuck so anyhow right after we recorded that overcast episode the world shut down and this has been quite an experience something that none of us that I haven't lived through and anybody younger than me has never lived through so in that episode kind of I feel like almost jokingly or joking around is like, oh, yeah, but it's not the coronavirus. And at that point, it seemed like it was all whispers and jeers about the coronavirus. And now here we are two months later, more than two months later. And today, 80,000 deaths have been reported in the U.S. from the virus and probably more that haven't been reported Unemployment has soared to almost 20% of the American population. Like the coronavirus has obviously, as you guys know, ravaged the country. And it's probably a really wild juxtaposition to hear me talk about it this week as opposed to the episode last week. Of course, I haven't been able to record any new episodes since then. This is the first episode that we've been able to get back into the studio. And in order order to do that, you know, we kept it very minimal. There's only me, Ben, and this week's guest, Lena Fornia, in the studio. I have a supply of disposable masks that we were putting over the mics to cover the foam. And then after every episode, I plan to obviously throw those masks away. Got the Clorox wipes on deck, got soap in the bathroom, got fucking hand sanitizer. And we're just no hugging, obviously. Like, haven't had a hug from anybody other than my wife in many, many months. And yeah, so we, you know, we couldn't even shake hands or anything with this week's guest. So yeah, it has been a new world that we are entering, and I don't personally foresee any signs of it easing off or calming down as far as in public goes for quite some time. I am going to try my best to keep 
recruiting people to come on the show that do live locally in L.A., and are willing to take the precautions, obviously, and the risk of like being around strangers. I, ben and I have both been social distancing now since the Safe Rat Home orders came into play. The only place I've really been is the grocery store and a big giant field that I take Cooper, my dog, to, where I only socialize with two people there that have become like my germ pod, basically. And Ben has been social distancing. His parents moved to Florida right before this happened because his dad got a new job. And so, you know, Ben usually lives in K-Town, but now he had a pad in Orange County that is empty. So he went down there thinking like, oh, I'll just be down here for a couple weeks or whatever until it calms down in the city. And now it's been a couple months and it might be a couple more months. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. The scariest thing still about the virus Beyond our administration in America not really taking it seriously enough whatsoever is that there still hasn't been a lot of clear information about it. There are no concrete truths about it because everybody wants to believe what they want to believe. Whatever this administration has been doing for the last three years as far as giving misinformation, gaslighting, giving the media half-truths – or just blatantly lying and, you know, obviously accusing the media of being, oh, fake news, fake news. <laughs> this is the culmination of it, is that now, as a global pandemic is taking place, no one really knows who or what to believe. And you have to be so fucking media savvy to get any straight information. And I feel like that coupled with the destruction of this pandemic has caused so much paranoia, so much duress. It's just really miserable right now. And now we're at the point where people are protesting, open up the country again, yada, yada, yada. And all that's going to happen is there's going to be another huge outbreak, in my opinion. By the time the summer's over, there's going to be another spike. There's definitely not going to be a vaccine anytime soon. And... I don't know, man. I just don't really know if life is going to get back to normal anytime soon. A decade, maybe? I don't know. So this is the first guest that we have been able to have in the studio because I think that things are slowly starting to ease up in Southern California. Thankfully, it didn't hit Southern California the way it hit New York and I feel so bad for the way it hit New York and some other major metropolises. L.A. is built out, not up. So I think it is a little easier here to abide by social distancing rules. So, yeah, thankfully, we were able to get a guest right as I was running out. Overcast was the last episode that I had in the bag. So we're a little bit like by the seat of our pants now. And we're back to like trying to make episodes on a week by week basis instead of having a little bit of a, oh, OK, we can miss a week because we have some in the bag. Like, nah, now we're back to like, oh, shit, we got to do it week by week. We got to pull it off. If somebody flakes, I'm fucked. And so hopefully I'll be able to keep finding people who have been responsible about social distancing and who are willing to take those, you know, like I said, hygienic and safety precaution steps to come in the studio, but are also like not so paranoid about it that they're like, 
no, this seems irresponsible. Because I will tell you, I'm not somebody who's like, open the world back up right now. But I am someone who's like, look, if you've been social distancing and I've been social distancing, then if we practice the safety rules that are out there, i.e. keep six feet away from each other, no shaking hands, no hugging, wear masks when you're around each other. From what I've read and understand or what I've interpreted, it seems like the risk is relatively low. I read somewhere that if two people are both wearing masks, the chances of even if one of them are sick, somehow passing on the virus is only like 1.5% or something like that. So... It seems like it is the time to get back in the studio. I did not do that through all of the end of February, through all of March or April. It's wild because I had some like really amazing episodes lined up for the end of February and March, and then travel plans had to start getting canceled. So all these artists that I had lined up and in the calendar booked to do the show, hopefully by the time things are like normal enough to travel again, we'll be able to get them on. But as of right now, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, a lot of great guests I had lined up are not going to be able to do the show for quite a while. So I will be leaning on people that live locally, basically, and we'll see who we can find and what we can do. I don't want to talk too much about this because it is not my story to tell, but I we did have some real tragedy during this pandemic uh, in my family. Uh, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother... Zeta passed away from really unfortunate circumstances. It was not the coronavirus. Man, it's been rough. It's been rough being in the house. We've had a lot of bad news. We've had a lot of um, rough breaks. I'm just hoping that after the safer at home orders are up that like the universe eases up on my wife a little bit because like I said, there's just been some rough breaks and, and you know, so Rest well to my mother-in-law, Zita. It was just so tragic. She just became a grandmother two months prior to her passing. And she was so fucking excited to be a grandmother. And it's just miserable to lose her at such a young age. She, was, she wasn't even 60 yet. She, uh, it's just terrible. We weren't even able to have you know, a funeral service for her. We could only have a viewing and it was just pouring rain that day. And we're all, of course, having to wear masks and only five of us could be in the room at any given time. So we couldn't even mourn together. And it was like being kicked when you're down. It was like insult to injury that we couldn't even partake in this kind of like base human instinct to mourn our lost relatives because of the situation in the world that I think really probably could have been avoided. Yeah. Rest in peace, Zita. So yeah, I hope everyone is staying safe, staying sane. I had an easy time for the first month, I feel like, staying sane. I was kind of uh, on some, oh, this is pretty easy for me because my life is already built around social distancing. Like, Los Angeles is a place where you're lucky to see even close friends once a month because people live far away and schedules are busy and it's hard to, like, really make all the wires cross at the right time. And so I was like, oh, you know, this is this is kind of like normal life for me. And then by the time... I think April kicked in. It was kind of like, oh, 
I really started to miss that sense of normalcy. I started to miss like not being able to go to a restaurant. I started missing like walking around without people looking at you paranoid, like, oh, is this the person that's going to spread this disease to me? And really, I mean, just the simple things like going to the grocery store, going to the grocery store for me used to be like a throw headphones in and kind of, you know, have a nice little day to myself to go grocery shopping. And it, it was it was a chore that I actually kind of enjoy. It's It's like a little zen for me. And now... I went grocery shopping three weeks ago. I go to a Trader Joe's and I go to a Vons. Anything that I can't find at the Trader Joe's, I go supplement it at Vons. Those are the two grocery stores next to me. It took me four hours to hit those two stores. It took me like an hour and a half in line at Trader Joe's to before I got in. And then there was a 20-minute wait at Vons before I got in. And then the combination of that with with the actual shopping time, it was four hours. That's a long fucking day. I got back and I was exhausted. And you know what? I couldn't bring myself to go grocery shopping again for like three weeks because I bought enough food for two weeks. But then that last week I was just ordering out every night because I was like, you know what? I don't have it in me to go do another four hour grocery day where the whole time you're just, you know, I'm just, I'm the same way. I'd look at people like, oh, is this, why are they so close to me? Get away. Oh, the, uh, I'm side eyeing this person because like they got their mask not covering their nose or, or whatever. I'm just like, it's just weird, man. It's just weird fucking times. And not to mention, like, now things are a little bit back to normal with the grocery stores. But what about those first, like, three weeks when this shit happened and you couldn't buy toilet paper? Not that I need toilet paper. We got a bidet. But you couldn't find toilet paper. You couldn't find hand soap. You still can't really find toilet paper, to be honest. Now, like, at least Vaughn stepped up and got their, like, generic shit, like, their their Kroger shit or whatever. But, like, you can't find no fucking Quilted Northern. You know what I'm saying? You can't find no Charmin. I'm excited for something to happen, for some breakthrough to happen. I'm hopeful that this administration gets out of power because, golly, man, how could you fuck something up so badly? How can you fuck something up so badly? And the thing is, when things like this get fucked up this badly, what happens to us? This affects us for the rest of the future because what happens when a government fucks something up this bad or when this many people die is that all of a sudden there are new little big brother things that they start to sneak in. You know, like you think about 20 years ago during 9-11 when 3,000 people died and 20 years later we still take our shoes off at the airport. Nowhere, nowhere else in the world do they do that. Like, I think about little shit like that that sneaks its way into society, and then I think about something like this where it's like, by the time this is over, probably over 100,000 people are going to have died from this virus. Now it's going to always be a thing where, like, our temperatures are getting checked, our fucking throats are getting swabbed or something. Like, they're going to always have to be worried about this, and, and because of that, you know, our basic, like— freedoms not i'm not trying to sound all like yeah fucking america fucking freedom bro like that's not it i'm just saying like if they wouldn't have fucked this up we wouldn't have to live so paranoid of everything now it's like everybody has to be a germaphobe now and that sucks man it's like all you guys had to do was get your testing in order from the jump and not fumble this and like pretend not even pretend like acknowledge that it was a real thing the government knew about this in, like, December, 
and didn't do shit until February. And so now I look back and who knows, maybe, maybe in that episode with Overcast, maybe I fucking did have coronavirus. I slept two days straight when I was that sick. Like, I don't know, but it was a very phlegmy flu that I had. So I doubt that it was coronavirus, but who knows? Cause I'll never be able to probably get my antibodies tested or what have you. <sighs> anyway, golly, I could talk about this all day. You know why? Because I've been pent up in my fucking house all the time and I don't have anyone to talk to except my wife. And thank God we're staying sane together, even with everything that's been happening, like we're managing to take it a day at a time. And I just try to be there for her and be patient and help her when I can and know when I can't. Anyway, today's guest is a young lady out of the Lamert Park area. If you've been following the show for a while, you know about Lamert Park, Project Blow, The Good Life. Like, I have a, an extreme reverence for Lamert Park. I think it's one of the most beautiful neighborhoods in L.A. and a bastion of artistry in Los Angeles. And Lena Fornia is kind of a unicorn in a sense. There aren't a lot of women in the beat scene there aren't a ton of women that even make beats in general that have that I know about. I'm sure you are out there. I hope that you'll reach out to me and not be offended when you hear this. But beyond that, she's a black woman that makes beats, and that's even more of a unicorn. But beyond that, goddamn, she's dope. She's fucking really dope at making beats. And she did a live set for us with her uh, SP404 and her 555. And it's like seven minutes long and me and Ben are just bouncing. And it was one of those few times where I get to film and actually talk as well. And so I was in there hooting and hollering as she was flipping the beats. Ooh, oh, shit. Giving the stank face, you know. It was really fun. I've been knowing about Lena Fornia for a minute now. All the way. She was like uh, became a staple at Low End Theory. She was the last few years at Low End Theory. She was playing all the time. And, you know, she would always be opening for Ross G or what have you. And and actually the last time I saw her perform live was at Ross G's memorial and it was so sad. And it's like one of the first things we talk about. And it, I was just very moved to see the genuine pain of the loss and trying to fight through it on stage, man, it was spine tingling, you know, I really lo- enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoy Lena Fournier. You can hear it. that's Cooper barking at the mailman in the background. I'm doing this in my office. I really enjoyed this conversation with Lena Fornia. I just think she's such a, a great spirit. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it too. Without further ado, after we pay a couple bills, this is going to be my conversation with Lena Fornia. Are you a very social person? Um, I'm starting to realize I am, yeah. maybe. You didn't but, know before? I mean, like, I just like being out. Yeah. Like, I don't like being constricted to just being at home. Yeah. And plus, 
I play shows all the time. So for this to just wipe out all my shows is, like, crazy. Like, I was supposed to go to Oakland, like, on the 20th, and that's, like, obviously not happening. But that's crazy to me. Like, I I play shows all the time, and that's, like, my thing. It's fun for me to play shows. Like, it's my thing. Is it a part of your livelihood as well? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, people are, yeah, obviously, like, indie musicians are missing out on a lot of, like, the thing that keeps them afloat. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely keeping me like def- it was definitely it's definitely one of those things like yeah. gigs definitely kept me afloat. So it's now it's like, oh, remix commissions and compilation commissions uh, and like that's how like I'm working from home. Yeah. You know, and, and then I actually played my first like live show for Grand Park like two, a couple weeks ago. Like they, IG live thing or something? I like IG live day yeah. had like a whole live live stream broadcast and it was really dope because I I was able to, um, like, they gave me a, the program to live stream, um, and, like, I was able to set up, like, visuals that I, motion graphics that I created, like, last year, I was able to set it as, like, the background, so it, like, framed me, oh, my yeah. live stream. Yeah. So now I'm, like, getting more into motion graphics, which has been fun, and, like, visuals. I've always been interested, and in, I've always been into, like, visuals, because, like, I always used to watch Adult Swim all the time, oh, and yeah. I l- love the bumps. Mm-hmm. Like, I've I fucked with the bumps, mm-hmm. So it was just, like, I always used to want to make my own visuals, and now, like, I'm able to kind of, like, do that more. I was always kind of, like, dabbling and, like, curating and stuff, like, tw- like tweaking things out. But now, like, I'm more so, like, pushing, like, I'm getting more into, like... Because you got time. Yeah, <laughs> I like, do have I time. time. Yeah. And I have re- more resources. resources. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good that you're, like, accomplishing something that's going to help your career in the future during the, I don't know, not quarantine, but whatever it is. Yeah. Because I feel like it can go either way. It's like 50-50. It could either be super inspiring and you give people time to learn stuff or it can be like, this is the deepest depression I've ever been right. in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I've been noticing a thing where like, I think, I feel like people like are, are really, cause because there's nothing else to do. I feel like a lot of people are um, like, they're like stuck. They have to deal with their thoughts because they can't go anywhere. Yeah. So now they have to sit with their thoughts and deal with their thoughts. Because I've had a like a lot of like random people or just random like friends that I don't really talk to like open up to me on some real profound shit, and I'm just like, whoa, yeah. like that was on your mind, like that was hidden back somewhere months ago when you were all busy, busy, busy. Right. So it's like now that there's nothing else to do but sit with your thoughts, people are just like. Having these revelations and shit. Unpacking like, shit. Yeah, yeah, unpacking mad shit. <laughs> Whoa, this yeah. is crazy. Right. But yeah, I just like I, I think it's really funny that it's like making people really sit with themselves. Well, I can't say everybody, but yeah, I think it is. It's like it's definitely making people reflect, mm-hmm. forcing people to sit the fuck down mm-hmm. and reflect, like sit down, sit mm-hmm. your ass down mm-hmm. and deal with this shit now. Are you somebody um, before this that maybe your friends would reach out to for help with their problems and stuff like that? Like, are you a shoulder to lean on? Um, I 
and I feel like I need I'm like the one that needs the shoulder. I'll be like, what am I gonna do? Like yeah. but like like I'm always like in shambles, like, oh help me. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, yeah. I need I need a soundboard. Like what's happening? I, at least you're self aware of that. Like uh, I, I think I have a lot of friends that don't realize that like <laughs> I, I'm their shoulder to lean on and yeah. I, and then when I try to lean on them, they're like, Wait, wait, uh this isn't the this isn't our dynamic. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I wanna be that friend too. I have like but like it's like I I look at myself like oh it's I'm the old I'm the one that like needs the shoulder all the time but like actually no like I it's like I think it's an even exchange because you know with your different friends you have different dynamics with them so I do have friends that like will call me and ask me about things or ask me about like music things because since I'm like the music friend yeah, you know yeah. so like now my friends will like hit me up about that or like or whatever you know I have different dynamics with different friends so it, yeah. it's it varies. I want to go into something like probably pretty personal for you really quick. Okay. Like right from the jump. Like let's just dive right in. All right. Because okay. the last time that I saw you live performing, uh-huh. right, it was at Ross G's Memorial. Oh. And, and I was in the audience just enjoying it. Well, I got a little spine tingle right when I said it. Ooh. But like, me too. I, yeah. I, I like my, like my heart kind of jumped, yeah. dropped a little I bit. I mean, because watching you perform and trying to like keep your shit together that night, I mean, it was so moving to watch because you could feel how moved you you were and that whole night just felt so community based and everybody kind of like bouncing off this really positive energy yeah. and celebrating the amazing talents of Ross and I would love to just hear you kind of speak on what that show was like or what that celebration was like but also what Ross meant to your life because I think that'll lead a lot into like figuring out your music path well I mean to describe that night I wasn't moved I was more so hurt yeah I was really hurt I'm sure I mean I was moved by G when I first heard him play when I first saw him play that's he moved me from when I first saw him play yeah he's always moved me but when he passed that hurt like that hurt because he and that's what I was that's what I was feeling in the audience watching you like you, you it was moving to me because I could viscerally understand and empathize with your pain, you know? He's the first person I ever saw play, demonstrate on the SP404 live. I remember it was, like, pure filth. Big Sammy did all the sound for, like, Low in Theory and It's Hey Day. And, like, he does all the sound for the big poppin'-ass shows. Like, he did Coachella and Dub Club and all that. Anyway, he had this party called Bass Face. My brother took me to, like, in 2011. And I was, like, just now just getting into, like, listening and, like, diving into more like beat music stuff like that and producers like Mm -hmm. I just you know so I got there and like I was listening to all this amazing music it was like Teebs and Monopoly and Def Sound and um, Sweats and Clank and like Flying Lotus and then um, also um and then it was Raj G. And then when I saw Raj G, I was like in the front. And he had, you know, like, oh, Sam had like a wall, wall to wall speakers, like, you know, because yeah. he goes for it. And like to, to watch like G conduct, like demonstrate and have this crazy bass, crazy sound, like, and how composed he was, how like stoic he was, but like very like a simple, like simple minimalist head bob. But all this madness, like conducting all this madness going on around him sonically, it just blew my mind. Like I just knew like this is this is some shit that I wanna see 
all the time. So I started going to Low in Theory, and then I started like you know like volunteering at Stone Throw Records because I love Stone Throw. Yeah. Like I love Stone Throw, and um, I was volunteering at Stone Throw Records and doing all this really dope stuff. Just like being like uh, you know just being a supporter of, yeah. the, of the music of the culture. And then I got to a car accident, and that's when I decided like yo, I'm just gonna start. I want to start making beats, like yeah. you know. So like Stone Throw inspired me. Stone Throw Records and start inspired me to start making beats but when i started playing shows it was like really like playing shows with g like opening up for g ross g playing his beat soups and things of that sort like like his shows and stuff like that like we're both from the same neighborhood the crazy part about that night when i first saw g like um crazy show like right like i was just blown away never heard no shit like that in my life i was like what the fuck (laughs) like it was like amazing night like i never heard no music like that ever so i'm just like my whole like like, like my, I'm blown, right? And so, like, at the end of the night, where, like, my, me and my brother are about to leave, and, like, we end up taking G home. Like, my brother is actually friends with G. I didn't even know that. So I'm in the back of the car, like... Starstruck, low What key. the fuck? Yeah, because, wow. like, the whole ride home, you know, like, is real quiet. He's, you know, he's, like, he's soft-spoken. He's not, like, mad boisterous. The poker face on that yeah. dude, like, is always yeah. just very straight Yeah, face, and so, like, I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Like, we're taking him home, and we end up taking him home. We I find out he lives literally four blocks away no. from me, like, walking distance. Yeah. So I was like whoa this, yeah. that's crazy like he was in my home this whole in my neighborhood this yeah. whole time the world got a little smaller you guys yeah. realize probably meant to find him you know yeah, yeah exactly so it was just like bugged out and so like from that point on like when i started playing a lot of shows and stuff like that i even like you know modeled my like demeanor after g just being very stoic with the head nods yeah. and just like conducting madness but just being like not like bugging the fuck like yeah. Out, yeah. you know but like very uh contained right you know what i mean you, there's no need to be boisterous when the music is it's that like bouncy, bugging you know? out yeah. yeah like when the music is like bugging out so like that's how i first started because i was walking to watching he was like yeah he looks cool he's doing like that yeah. and now i'm like yeah. i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be like you know i i, I first kind of started like you know like uh uh, took took a page from his book at first when I was first developing, you know, like my performance style, and then obviously like I evolved into my own, you know. Yeah. But like he was always like that, like a huge the catalyst. Like yeah. yeah, he was like like watching him was the catalyst for me to start performing and demonstrating live too. To just see this brother like go to Europe and get love in Europe. He was in like Africa, Japan. like Japan, like to travel all these places just to play his music. Like why would I not want to do like yeah. I want that? You know what I mean? It was inspiring for me, and I want that. And it's like there's nobody else like him. There's nobody else that sounds like him. Like like there's like you know there was a period of time where there was a low in theory sound where a lot of people was trying to sound like Flying Lotus yep. or DiBiase yep. and whatever whatever yep. and you could hear what they were trying to sound like but nobody could sound like G mm-hmm. like nobody mm-hmm. you know nobody mm-hmm. could sound like G even if they tried so it's just like G always had a distinctive sound he always had a distinctive style like and he's always been an inspiration for me and it just hurt because it's just like Ugh. I can't imagine like not 
I can't believe that I can't go see him live anymore. I can't believe that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe that I'm never going to be able to play another show with him again. I can't believe that shit. Because I would like, you know, Low and Theory used to book me and G a lot. It would be like the Lamert Park special, mm-hmm. like Lena Fournier and Raj G. Like, mm-hmm. And it would just be like a little Lamert Park takeover. Mm-hmm. And it, every time they would book us together, it would just be like like crazy 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 like amazing night and i just can't imagine not being able to play another show not being on another lineup with him anymore like i still can't it's weird like i don't know i just thought he would be here longer than that so i'm just like i don't know and it's just but he's still got music coming out and Mm -hmm. stuff and i'm close i'm like cool i'm like i'm i'm cool with um his brothers Mm -hmm. and his sister and stuff so it's just like i like to tap in with them and like you know see what's going on with the future releases and stuff like that which is cool so that's a beautiful thing about music it's perpetual it lives forever even when you pass pass on and transition from from bodily bodily form like the music is is forever yeah. and so i'm proud of him for that you know Ooh, jesus <laughs> Yo, i miss him man. I, no, I and, just, I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm i'm i didn't mean to laugh right there as like an actual cool. laugh it was like a, it was like a wow a that was it was a relief yeah. and it was a release because it's like man fuck yeah i don't know anything about you you know what i mean we've yeah. never met and, wow. and i've i've seen you plenty of times around oh, okay. um at shows and shit but it's yeah. like I, we've never met but i just had this feeling that if i asked about ross like that would come pouring out because like you could see there was a kinship between the two of you yeah. you know what i mean i never knew like i never realized how like much he had a like how much he was watching me or how much he was really paying attention to me i never really realized it until after he passed away then all of a sudden all these people were telling me like oh g said this about you g said that about you mm-hmm. like and it's like damn this whole time i didn't even think he was like you, you don't know? you don't feel like you need to tell people that kind of stuff because yeah. you feel like you can always tell them in the future yeah I guess, you know what I'm saying? i guess so maybe but he wasn't like that to yeah. like just be in your like face or yeah. like to tap in with you like it's like you go to him you yeah. know what i'm mean yeah and that's what you know i just never realized how i never realized how um you know how people closely how people viewed us so closely aligned with each other until he passed away yeah, yeah. then all of us then you know all of a sudden it's like oh gee lena da, yeah, da, 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 da. like yeah. you know what i mean uh-huh. it's just i remember like one of the last times i, I was i played that the that memorial show was at the lodge room yeah and like i remember the last time i was with G at the lodge room he came because uh for mark to clive lowe's uh, he came for my uh, show. I was playing with Mark to Clive Love for the church anniversary. And for this particular show, I had my live band. I was playing with my live. I had a live band called the young that does, does, does instrumental accompaniment while I do my live beat set, oh, which wow. is really dope. I've only done it twice, Yeah, but it's really dope. I have like a, uh, a drummer, a sax player and a bass player. Yeah. And so they like get down with me while I do live beats. And he actually showed up for that and like to just see him like he's not impressed by much you mm-hmm. feel me like the jesus is not impressed by very much but when i played that set with my live band and i'm conducting the band and everything is moving seamlessly and it's like you know it's an experience you know mm-hmm. and like to hear him like give it up to me afterwards and really be like yo like this is dope. Like, actually give it up for real. It's like, that's love to me. Like, that's the highest.
highest regard because G don't like shit. <laughs> G is not impressed by much. <laughs> and, like, I kind of share that kind of kinship with him of being, oh, like, man. mass selective and picky, too. Yeah. Like, I'm very much like that. Like, mm, meh. He, he was somebody I got introduced to so many times but never tried to press my shit of, like, we've met before because I'm just like... Nah, you're like, I don't know. He was a very intimidating dude in, com- in a sense. His presence commands respect. Respect, Like, yes. it's, it's like, for me, like, I have the most respect. I have so much respect. I had so much. I have so much respect for G. It was almost reverent. Yeah. You feel me? Yes. Like, because he just, he has a quiet strength yeah. about him that's, like, fortified. Yeah. You know and I, I mean? think when you talk about that, the beat scene, like, people, yeah, will bring up um, Fly Low instantly. But I think a lot of people that were really knee deep into the beat team will say that he was kind of like the maybe the center of that universe in a sense. Like people kind of evolved around. He's a go to. You know, he was the go to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Ace in the Hole. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. always gonna be dope. Yeah. Man. So yeah, you guys are both from Lamert. Yeah. Man, how lucky. <laughs> like, real shit. Like, I mean, Lamert, I talk about it on this show all the time. Wait. Like, but I, I have such a reverence for Lamert in general. Really? Just, just Yeah, just in that it's like this bastion of black artistry yeah. and black individualism in yes. L.A., which is, you know, people think cities are melting pots. Cities are, you know they're still a bit segregated, not like by law, but just by nature. And so to have this community that has not been colonized or fucking invaded by gentrifiers, it's it's like really amazing. It is. It is. Even with the Metro coming around the corner, I mean, like it's coming. Yeah, yeah. People are trying it. People are trying, but there's, I'm still like, you know, there's still a lot of really, there's like new black business, black owned businesses there that were replaced by old black businesses, which gave me a little comfort. So I'm happy to see that mm-hmm. going on like there's a this skate shop that's about to open up right there in Lemur mm-hmm. you know Sika's still there selling jewelry clothes and, and piercings whatever and mm-hmm. what have you like so it's like I you know it's my home yeah. man like drum circles on Sunday yeah. like you know and it's like even with this quarantine shit like people still like try and do it do it a little bit like um we're still gonna try and play some drums and maybe not as long right? you know and maybe not as big of a drum circle right. maybe we're not gonna have 10 people on the drums today maybe we're gonna do maybe three or four of us and for a little bit so it's like you know and even when they tried to like close the the fountain area like they had they built the gate and closed the fountain area Uh. thought people wasn't about to go like thought people was just gonna give up and not show up people congregated outside in the different area and now that's the new area for the drum circle Uh. like you can't you can't you can't fuck with us like come on now like you can't you can't like you know you tried but you can't you know we're here we're not going anywhere as long as like we got the strength to do that we're gonna be here you know you can't lock us out of our own shit you you grew up in Lamert since childhood I've lived in this yeah I well I've I have been in Lamert like just like you know on my own just like yeah. going to like bananas yep. and like you know art shout walks. out verbs shout out to verbs is the homie that's it yeah um since like probably 2010 yeah. I stayed by Crenshaw High my whole life okay yeah so I've been in the same neighborhood my whole life yeah 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 Lamert is such an interesting place I used to make treks I, when I was going to school in Santa Barbara <laughs> I would drive down to go to shows in Lamert or like my, one of my first 
rap shows I ever went to was in Lamert Park. Oh, wait. yeah, like was it Project Love? It was at Chaos Network, but it was a uh, it, it was a Living Legends show oh. that, that they were throwing in in at Chaos in, oh, yeah. in probably two thousand and one or oh, something wow. like that. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, and I was never a Blodian, but I would I would be <laughs> I, I rotated around that cosmos of the Blodians. Yeah, and a lot of my friends were every Thursday there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so. Do you ever just sit back and go, wow, how lucky I am to have grown up so close to this? I, yes. And also I'm thinking like, damn, why wasn't I around this shit when I was like a teenager? Right. Because I started going like well well after like when I was like 19, 20. Okay, yeah. So like I wasn't around like the Project Blood era. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't around it. I didn't know about it. I didn't have no way to find out about it. Right. You know, but like, damn, I wish like, you know, I was around from when like like maybe 2003 and 2012, you know, but I I had no way of like finding out about that kind of stuff. I had no idea a world like that or music like that as esoteric as that could even exist mm-hmm. in this realm. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even know. Like that was beyond me. I couldn't even fathom the type of sounds I could listen. I listen to now when I was younger. So before you found those sounds, what? were you doing as a kid? What was growing up near Crenshaw High like? I was listening to Power 106, so yeah. Belly Fell, 7 at 7. And I was listening to a whole lot of Outkast, Missy Elliott, yeah. and I loved Timberland, and I didn't know, like, producers were a thing, but I loved Timberland production and, and Q-Tip production and also Battle Cat yeah. production. Like, I didn't know they were producers back then, so it was like, oh, yeah, Corrupt and Snoop and, like, Nate Dog on everything. And, like, that was, like, my favorite shit. Like, well, and know? it sounds like even before you discovered this kind of, like, wave of outlandish music or, like, the, the ultra-creative shit that is coming out of the neighborhood you live in yeah. you already had a hankering towards the mainstream acts that were a little more artsy with it you know what i yeah. mean everybody that you brought up is like the the real like get loose with it pioneers yeah, you know exactly yeah. yeah yeah for sure like even like i especially like outcast too yeah, like yeah. i loved outcast yeah. and i love i love missy elliott missy elliott yeah, was course. like my hair is like my hero yeah. I would love to make, like, I don't know, make something for her, DJ for her, something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like, an Erica Badu, yeah. you know, whenever I can. But, yeah, it was more so, like, G-Funk and, like, uh, Battle Cat Productions Corrupt and um, Corrupt Young Gotti and, like, uh, Daz Dillinger, Snoop, and Snoop for sure, a whole lot of Snoop, and, like, even Ludacris, too. Like, there was a big, I had a big Ludacris period when Word of Mouth came out. From Word of Mouth Don't, on, don't you feel like Luda is like kind of getting written out of the history books People or something. People are not giving Luda his flower. I Boy, feel like he had uh, Luda he had, had a couple hits. summers. Like, goddamn, L- yeah. Luda had hits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh-huh. Pharrell like laced Luda. Pharrell yeah. Williams laced Luda. Yeah. Like Luda had his People are not, and then his like he his cadences and rap cadence, rap rhythm cadences are so ill. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. on, they don't. They're not. They're not showing. There's Luda a video kind of going viral right now. Shout out to Andrew Barber who posted it. Um, of like. Red and Matthews to have this prank show, and, uh-huh. they, and they pranked Luda to like get on this beat. That's like this terrible it was fucking ass, hot ass beat. Yeah, and it was about <laughs> and it was about frogs or something. They're like, yeah, run a rap about frogs, and it's like the beat's like. Pff, And, like, somehow fucking Luda finds a pocket and, like, kind of killed it. And they're yeah. like, oh, psych, you're on a prank show. And it's like, but he already killed it anyway. Oh, uh, like, yeah. 
up. See, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like I remember watching that prank show too, yeah. Myth and Red. Yeah, yeah. Yo, man, uh, that's hilarious. How wild. Beyond music, when you're growing up, mm-hmm. what's what's school like for you? Were you studious? Were you were you the good student? I was I was I was studious. Yeah. And then I was like, I was cool. First I was studious, yeah. then I was like, cool. And then I was like, Cool, like, like what? Like you were involved was, in more like in social life than school life, or what? I was um like 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 as far as like scholastics, oh, I was very studious. Yeah, yeah. But then I kind of was like got eh, lax with it. Got lax with yeah. it, kind of you know. And then like high school, I was like, oh parties. Yeah, oh, okay, let's yeah. go. Like whatever kind of party. Well, I went to Catholic school for eleven years. Oh wow, like an all girls school? No, different okay. different Catholic schools yeah. were like private schools for eleven years. Yeah. And then, like... Are I, you Catholic? I am. Oh, yeah, you, like, grew up Catholic. Yeah. Okay. I grew up Catholic as well. Yeah, yeah. I am. I, I am. never had the Catholic school experience, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then I have questions as well. Of course. Regarding, that, the, 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 regarding religious well, doctrine. Well, that's why I said I was raised Catholic. Yeah. I am no longer considering myself a Catholic. I have concerns and qualms <laughs> about this. But, you know what I mean? I grew up... I would go very Catholic. No shit. Me? Yeah, yeah wow. definitely went to 11. Like, I wore uniforms for 11 years. Wow. And then uh, my junior year, I was sick of this shit. So I took myself out and transferred myself to Crenshaw High. Really? <laughs> and I spent my senior year at Crenshaw High. Yeah. Best year ever. Really? Well, yes. Like, You yes. got to be, like, the new kid? I got to be the... Well, there's hella new there, kids. There, there's the new kid. kids probably every semester, yeah, if right. you can believe. Like, people are transferring in and out like crazy. Like, I will go and make a good-ass friend in my, like, maybe my home ec class. Yeah. Like, you know, baking ciabatta, whatever. Yeah, whatever. For, for yeah. bread. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for bread. I remember that. We'd be begging. I'd make a good homie. We'd be chopping it up for a week. Yeah. A week later, I will never see that student that's again. Just in and out. We'll never see him again until maybe three years later at the King Parade. No shit. Like, random. Like, you know. Crenshaw High is just huge. Yeah. Huge it was amazing. Yeah, like, I had so much. Me, for me, I had so much fun there because I was yeah. always, like, an artsy type. Yeah. Um, at Catholic schools, well, at the Catholic school, high school I was at, it was very like, it was very like, oh, you have to look this way. If you don't have these kind of shoes, you know, you know, you gotta have certain material yeah. things that will make you cool, and you gotta act a certain way. And it's very like closed-minded. So I did not really enjoy my end up enjoying my time there. Like I was just like. I'm too artsy for this shit. Yeah. I like all types of stuff. I like to dance. Like, I like to party. This shit is for the birds. I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't like this shit at all. I want to wear, I want to get my fits off at public schools yeah. because I got mad style. There you go. So I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, when you tell your folks, like, yo, I don't want to go to Catholic school anymore. I want to go to public high school. How did they react to that? First of all, I didn't even give them an option because I set up all the paperwork. You just did it. And then I just presented it to my mom the day before a summer school started at Crenshaw High. Like, Sign I'm this. going to Crenshaw now. Yeah. No, I was 17. Oh. Already. So it was like your choice. Yeah. So oh, I wow. was like, blop. I'm not going to Sarah anymore. I'm going to Crenshaw, and that's that on that. School starts tomorrow. Good night. Wow. <laughs> what did she say? 
Okay, like what else yeah. can you do? I mean, there was no like, there wasn't any like long lasting tension about that. She was just like, okay, well, shit, you're like I an mean, independent woman now. Not that I can remember, yeah, because yeah. I did everything already and yeah, I set yeah. up everything, and she's not paying five hundred dollars a month. Oh, so yeah. what are so you? So really, gonna... you're saving her money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hello, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. Was there culture shock when you went from the? I assume a smaller Catholic school to this giant. Crenshaw High. It wasn't a culture shock. It was just really exciting. Yeah. Like I was just like, hell yeah. I'm yeah, like, all yeah. oh, this shit. It's mad flavorful. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of gay beggars. Whoa. And they're <laughs> jerking. Oh, but this is before a jerking me came. Uh, like a national a, phenomenon. Like, yeah, a national, like, neon wearing skinny jeans phenomenon. It was actually a very, like, it was a hood dance. Yeah. Like, it was really, like, gangbangers doing, like, jerking. Right. And it was just like a dance at Crenshaw High. And I was just like, oh, this shit is. Fire! I love it. This did you get it. the jerk in? Huh? Did you, did you used to jerk? I used to dance all the time. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing before my car accident. I used to dance so much. Yeah. I used to want to dance for Tommy the Clown. Oh it's yeah! Like when I was mad young, like twelve, thirteen, I wanted to dance for Tommy for Tommy the Clown, but my mom wouldn't let me because it was like ghetto American shit. Uh. And so because my mom is like from my parents are from Belize. Oh, your parents are yeah, from I'm Belize. First, yes. Yeah. Mom, I'm first generation born oh, so in America. An, yeah, yeah. So you're a first generation. American. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So their English second language, I would imagine. They grew up there. They grew up there, yeah. And they, when did they get over here? Like maybe I wanna say probably in the like maybe after seventy seventies, five, seventies. And what brought them here? Uh opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, well, yeah no, better I mean, jobs. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They wanted to be out here in America. Yeah. And, yeah right. Get better opportunities. And do you have siblings? Yeah, I do. Where are you in the order of siblings? I'm the youngest. You're the baby. I am. So did they move over here with already having kids? Yeah, my brother was already already in effect. Okay. He was already out here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was already um and then my sister, I think she was no, she was born out here. Yeah. She was born out here for sure. Yeah. I'm actually like probably uh my brother is like probably fifteen years older than me. My sister is like probably eleven. So oh. I I came out like oops, pal, surprise. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like they definitely were not a Chappelle reference will yeah, always give me. Yeah, like yeah. they definitely were like not expecting. Wow. But I was just like, whoop, drop, yeah. drop. Yeah. So I'm by the here. time you're like seven years old, you're kinda like an only child because the brother and sister are out the house already or kinda what? sorta. Yeah. Um I yeah, more well, my my yeah, like seven. Not really because, yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. How would you say your experience differs being the child of immigrants? Uh, I couldn't dance for Tommy the Clown. That yeah. was whack. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the music. Yeah. For sure, the music, for sure, because my mom was, we listened to a lot of dance hall. My sister played a lot of dance hall and reggae. And then my mom listened to a lot of, like, punta and punta rock and, like, um, girlfriend music and stuff like that. So, like, it was and then my mom also had like my mom and my sister had like a, a cultural dance troupe that um danced and sang uh girlfriend uh, hymns and songs that my my great grandmother uh composed and stuff like oh, that wow. yeah so like it was definitely culture for sure yeah there's definitely my mom is like my mom definitely stresses, I mean, well, not stresses, but I'll say, I think a better word is, like, emphasizes culture, okay. our culture, and just knowing our history and how we, be, how girlfriend of people came about and, like, just, like, the journey of, like, 
uh, being, uh, you know, like of like being captured but not enslaved. You know what uh. I mean? So it's just like very interesting. You know, a certain kind of pride comes along with being what I was. But then when I was younger, I couldn't tell people that I was girlfriend because they're like, "What the fuck? You just made that shit up." Uh, like, yeah, teenagers. I'm sorry for sounding ignorant as shit, but can you spell that word so I can Google it later? I don't yeah. want you to educate me. I want to educate myself okay, about it. Okay, so yeah. Garifuna is spelled G A R I F U N A. Okay. Yeah, Garifuna people. Okay. Yeah, my parents are Garifuna. It's like the language is. I'm gonna just say it real fast. Yeah. I don't have to go no, into the whole spiel, but yeah, yeah. my parents it's a lang they speak the language. It's uh it's a it's a merging of Arawak and Carib Indian and African. Oh wow. So yeah, that's um good for the people. I wanna research this. I've never even I've never heard of the that and so I'm gonna like go dive into it when I get home. You know who's actually good for that? O T nah. Genesis. No shit. Uh-huh. Wow. He's believing his book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Shout out O T Genesis. Yeah. Well, he, that's an amazing dancer right there, yeah, boy. Let me tell you. Yo, Belizean people are like the best dancers. Uh, I used to dance all the time. Yeah, yeah. Come on, not that. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Did mm. you have big plans? Um, I think I wanted to be, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. Did you end up after Crenshaw High going to high school or going to college? I guess? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Just, but it wasn't for you or what? I don't know. It's like I return and then I leave and then I return yeah. and then, I, then life takes me in a different direction. Yeah. But then um, at that time, too, that seems like when you're starting to really discover the music is at 1920, you start yeah. going to bananas and doing yeah. this stuff. And so when you find that scene, the banana scene, I mean, that's a very like welcoming community. For that's sure. a very, um, I mean, you know, verbs is. That he, he verbs is one of my gateways to the LA scene as For well. Sure. Like he, we used to live right down the street from each other. We did an EP together and shit. Dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I would imagine that like bananas is an easy place to feel like you found your people. Yeah, it is. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I was going there for mad long before I even was going to Low End Theory. Yeah. I was going to Bananas. Did you used to watch The Door there sometimes? Mm -mm. Okay, never mind. No, I've never watched The Door okay. there. But I used to be out out there and amongst all the, looking at all the ciphers. And yeah. Looking in Outside the, and, is often is just yeah, as fun as the it's inside. just as fun. Yeah. Probably even more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was going to Bananas for mad long just being a supporter and just like really just being there because I live right by there yeah. so I'll just be there every third Tuesday and so I know yeah. you told the story of seeing Ross and wanting to get into making beats but like w was that already brewing inside of you a little bit as you're at Bananas or did you not have um, musical aspirations quite yet um huh what was I'm trying to think uh, I think I just really liked music That's it. i just wanted to do something that had to do with music so i was like oh i'm gonna get a communications major and do so be some kind of curator yeah. i don't know like yeah. some kind of something something so i could like maybe i'm not doing music but i could do something that i could be surrounded by music right but then i was just like nah i'm about to make beats yeah. <laughs> i've always wanted to be a dj though wait a minute okay yeah. why did i lie i said i wanted to be a psychologist that's 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 kind of true that's, yeah that's kind of true, but I really wanted to be a DJ. Like, I always, from when I was, like, 12 years old, I was, like, mixing, mixing these mashups on Tractor. Like, my brother gave me, gifted me Tractor um, software when I was 12 years old on Christmas. I remember that shit because I was, like, mix and match it. Like, all the Justin Timberlake produced by Timberland shit and yeah, I remember I used to sell mixed CDs, too, when I was in high school. Like CDRs. 
Yeah. yeah. I used to smell, sell mix CDs of stuff that I would like mix together and yeah. like put together. I made like good bread off of that too. No shit. Yeah. And then so there's, I've always wanted to be a DJ. Definitely. I thought I was going to be on Power 106 being a DJ or be or DJ at Off the Wall in the Fox Hills Mall. Uh-huh. That's LA's plug. Uh-huh. By the way. Very LA. <laughs> Shout out to Fox Hills. Yeah. Because that can, store don't even exist anymore. Right. You can tell when people have just moved here when they were like, oh yeah, Westfield. Uh, Westfield. That, that Westfield, South LA or what is it called now? Westfield. No, West, Westfield something. Drake. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always love, I, I love like when I see the Fox Hills Mall in, um, in like in movies because it's such a unique layout for a mall. Mm. You can always see like, even if it's blurred out in the back and you're like, oh shit, that's Fox Hills. Yeah. Man, I used to live right over there. Yeah, um, Yeah, I always wanted to be a DJ and now it's kind of manifest. I've manifested that. Like, right. Now I'm kind of, I kind of am a DJ now. Yeah, now you're the selector like for real, for real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what, what's your first, like, piece of equipment? Like, do you start on a computer or with analog equipment? As far as making beats? Yeah, making beats. FL Studio. FL Studio. Hey, yeah. shout out FL. You Boop. know what? The last guest we just had on was Overcast. And, um, oh, wait. And he's an FL dude, too. Yeah. And the guy that I, that I make music with, he's an FL dude. So I started in my spare time in the Safer at Home Orders. I started fucking with FL again because yeah. I haven't in, like, maybe 10 years. Hey, it's so man. fun. Hey, man. Uh, FL be slapping. Ooh. I don't know. Like, FL really slapped. Like, I know some amazing producers that have made some heat on oh, FL. Yeah. It's not your gear, it's your ear. Oh, that's it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. for real. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not a gear snob. Like, FL, Ableton, SPs, I don't, I want it all. Is FL still your main controller, though? Lo- or, well, my main, or main like, source like, to start beats. Yes. Yeah, it is because, yeah, lucky is, but I have been making more stuff on Ableton for sure. Okay, yeah. I It's just a mixture. I have to have my Ableton, I have to have FL Studio, and I have to have my SP to all make shit. Because you just feel like some things work better for, like, if you have an idea, something can translate it better than right. one like, program I can chop better on FL Studio. Yeah. And then I could, like, lay out drums better on Ableton. And yeah. I could record things in on Ableton. That's how I record everything in. And so then how, not to, like, ask about the magic in the in the recipe or whatever, but then if you got these two programs that don't necessarily talk to each other, then where do you put them together at? Like, if you got your drums in Ableton and your, your chops in, in FL, then what do you use to put them together? I sample from my F, from uh, FL into, like, I'll lay out something on FL and then I can sample it into Ableton. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah like, right. that's how I usually bounce it out and then I'll lay my drums over I it. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. No worries. Uh, I'm just trying Aussie. to trying to like figure out the. I I mean it, and, then it, and then it all runs through the, my my SPs too. Yeah. Like like my um yeah like FL Studio runs through my SPs too. So like whatever comes out my SP, it goes straight to Ableton. Yeah. And if I pull up both of them at the same time, it could work. Yeah. Let me ask you something that comes from again a place of pure ignorance on my part, but I feel like I don't see enough women producers uh, for my preference I guess or like I don't see enough of them getting shine and I'm sure you know a lot more than I do is that or 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 are you like one of the only few um there are a few of us definitely yeah but as far as like like if you want to get specific from in in my favor of being specific like black women yeah it's like me, it's Georgia Ann Mudro, yeah. and then also Tiffany Goucher and Gwen Bunn, like, and then VHVL, but she's not even in L.A., she's in New York. So yeah. it's just like, and those are just black, the black women that I know of that are actually making beats 
And then, it, it, I mean, and, it, and then it's, like, specific to style, too, because it's, yeah. like, women, there are women that make beats, but, like, the, the the type of music that I make, very, that's an even a more marginalized right. <laughs> section than, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, there are definitely a lot of really dope um, women producers, Leilani, uh, Bad Snacks. Um, I'm trying to think of more people. I, and I don't even mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, Nobody's it's all good. Even, yeah. But that's the thing is like you're such a staple at beat scene events or, or just beat events in LA in general, but there's just not I don't ever see a lot of other women on the stage, right? No, there isn't. And I feel like I and I definitely um I definitely took note of that when I first started making beats like before when I used to go to shows all the time I would see the lineup the usual suspects like um so it'd be the usual suspects and when I say usual suspects I'm like Fly Low yeah. Raj D, DBRC, yeah. Sam I Am yeah. and then occasionally you might have a Gaslam Killer or like even a Ganja Soupy yeah. but the I mean of course the show is always really dope but like I would never see any women never yeah. so I'm like well, what if I made beats so? What if I got so dope at beats yeah. that I started getting on slots with these guys? Like, what if I got so good at it? It's like, like that I was just undeniable that people would just start putting me on lineups with these really dope guys. Right, and that was just kind of my motivation to start right. making beats and like demonstrating live. And it worked out. Yeah, and thanks to Bananas, like I was playing, like it was so easy for me to start getting shows. Like as soon as I decided to and to do it and demonstrate it, people. People were, like, hitting me up to do shows all the time just because they saw me demonstrate once and they liked it, you yeah. know? So from that point, like, when I first started playing shows, I was pl- probably playing shows um, for, like, a year, like, for, for, like, weeks straight, like, weeks in a row, like, for a year, like, every week. Yeah. For a year straight. Yeah, just getting your chops just up. Getting, just cutting my teeth. Yeah, that's you know? it. Yeah. And it's for, and just because, like, I had the time to do it. So, like, it just, I think that definitely, that maybe, um, have, that's probably what, what helped my uh, artistry to grow and spread out. Yeah. Is because I was playing shows everywhere. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like you were allowed access into the Beat Scene Boys Club, or have you felt... Um, like an outsider, or do you like? Do you wish you weren't the only woman, or I don't know how? Like, tell me, tell me about how you feel about it. Well, I think, I think you know, at the time when I first started, I thought I think um, one of the milestones or feeling like I made it as in this artistry is getting like you know getting love from Low and Theory. Low and Theory was like huge, like you know, part of the B community. Um, you know, and like, and really just the LA music scene, the LA in music general. scene, like the underground, yeah. LA, like esoteric underground, yeah, music, the LA beat music scene that emerged from Low and Theory yeah. inspired Craig, almost everything. The world. Yeah, 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 honestly, the world, uh, honestly, a lo fi music to lo fi beats to chill and study. Yeah, that used to just be called beats, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever, yeah, Gentr- exactly. gentrify, boom bap, whatever, <laughs> you know. But anyway, thank you, you know, yeah. we would like them streams too, but anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anywho, um, 
But, um, you know, Low and Theory was like just getting that love from Low and Theory. I definitely, I feel like I definitely earned it. Like, mm. I earned my spot. Like, mm. I earned these slots. I earned those accolades. I earned that love mm-hmm. from Kevin. Like, I earned all of those things. It's not just because oh, I'm a girl and we're just going to cut her some slack. Like, no. Right. Like, she's whooping on everybody. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, you can't deny it. And I feel like Low and Theory was just like very Low and Theory. I, I was respect I have so much respect for Low End Theory because they have like the kind of the same ethos as like the Good Life Project Blood era where it's like if you're whack we're telling you yep. and we're not gonna work with you or we're not gonna give you that until you're tight mm-hmm, until mm-hmm. we think you're tight mm-hmm. and they will show you love if you're dope mm-hmm. that's it it's, it's a bit it's about quality not quantity mm-hmm. So I I truly believe like like you know it's about I earned it because they they care about the quality of the music ultimately. Oh, if anything, I was trying to almost imply the opposite that you probably had more hardships to jump through and people were probably harder on you as a woman than they would have been had you just been making the same music that you do and you're a dude like you would have had the easiest pass. Man, you don't, I don't know. You know? I don't know. It's just, I mean, I feel like my journey is so unique and complex. Like, you know, there's so many complexities probably within myself regarding like my, how I create and how I judge my own art. Yeah. Like I couldn't even, it's, this is a whole, a whole nother episode. Like this is going to turn into a whole different kind of conversation. So it's just like, I don't know. I just ultimately, I think I, I can, to conclude with that, I think I definitely earned like Absolutely. all everything, you know, I earned that. But I was like I also also very hard on myself. Like yeah. very like, nah, like I have to like for me, when I make music, I have to believe if I'm gonna put it out, I only put out things that I believe in wholeheartedly. I only push things that I put out I only push things that I put out if I believe in it and I'm enthusiastic about it wholehearted. Like, I can stand behind and be like, yeah, that's my shit. Yep, I did that. Like, but, but stand but if there I stoically with just your head bobbing, though. Yeah, because right? yeah. I know this shit is tight, so that's I'm right. not even yeah, about yeah, to wild out. I don't have to do shit. Yeah, yeah. you know. But, yeah. um, but now, I mean, you know, like, uh, I was very much like, yeah, like, I think it's very much so, like, like I said, like, I have to believe in something wholeheartedly before I put it out. I have to yeah. know in my heart that it is dope. Like, mm-hmm. for me, like, before, because then I, I, I full what I do, what I am, like, what I am confident in is in, like, my ear and my taste in music and my taste in, like, art or mm-hmm. my taste, like, just my taste level. Like, I trust in that the most. I have the most confidence in that. Mm-hmm. I don't miss with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. So it's just like that. Like, I lead with that. And it has not been the easiest journey to lead with that. Like, it's really hard because, like, you know... <laughs> It's just, it's a lot, it's obstacles. Everybody has obstacles within their music journey, you know what I mean? And in mine, like I said, everybody's journey is different. And I have to understand, like, I have to kind of talk myself out of, like, compare myself to other people's journeys and things like that. Because it's like, I know mine is so unique, so specific. Mm -hmm. Like, not only, you know, being a woman, being a black woman, Mm -hmm. and not only making beats, making these underground boom bap slap, like, swingy-ass beats. like, Like, no there's really no other real no other woman that's doing that like that's actually making that kind of stuff like, not that I've seen that's why I was asking besides yeah. Georgia there's yeah. no other woman yeah. making the that, making the like achieving that kind of sound aesthetic uh huh 
Like, you right. know what I mean? So right. it's just like, I know my journey is very specific and very, like, unique. And it comes with it all, its own set of, mm-hmm. like, obstacles. Right. So, and, you know. I, and I guess that's kind of why I was asked because I, I feel like, okay, yes, the fact that you make these beats that are already a lot of music listeners or or specifically like label system people like wouldn't maybe grasp or understand right like what is this for how could we market it but on top of that being a black woman i feel like at some point like maybe you have you it feels like a lonely island that you're on you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean i i oftentimes feel like you know like an island a lot of times i'm the only black woman in the room the right. only black person in the room right a lot in a be, lot of a, situations like in a lot of situations in this realm and it's no shade to anybody because that's just the way it is but it's an observation that it's a fact like i will be the only black person in the room sometimes i'll be the only black woman i'll be the only woman mm-hmm. like it's very that mm-hmm. you know so it is like I do kind of feel like an island sometimes, and then also like not me not wanting, like try like for me a long time I just was not really asking for help, not trying to rely on anybody, just like really focusing on being hella self sufficient, like never asking really for anything, like earning everything, like basing my whole ethos on at, like uh, as far as like branding, as or like I only I base it on like attraction rather than promotion, like not trying to like shove being in position or shove my music down people's I get throat. it because then when someone finds you, you know that it meant you something. You know that they wanted yeah. you. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Not oh, rather I get than it. just like in your face, in your face, right. listen to me, look at it's like the opposite of being a clout chaser. Yeah, I totally understand very, that because like, I've always done the, the polar, same fucking thing. The polar opposite. Like I'm very. It takes so much longer to build something that yeah. way, but the payoff feels, feels so much better because it feels oh, sincere. Thank you. Because it feels very sincere when you know people do show love, like show you love, where you get these opportunities, or you get the opportunity to be invited by Pharrell Williams to the studio. Mm. Like you know, it's sincere because mm. like you wasn't up in a space where you was just like authentically being yourself and demonstrating to your highest level of mm-hmm. ability, and mm. he saw that. You know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Mm. What can you can't can't fuck with that? Like that's real. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. It resonates. Mm-hmm. So wait, Pharrell invited you to the studio? Mm-hmm. Like a couple of years ago. Really? Like two years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought you were like giving an example. Oh no, do you real. want to talk about that? Have you talked about that ever? I mean, I've had I've been in the studio with a couple of different really like like I mean I guess you can say mainstream or major yeah. artists, yeah. but Pharrell was like the biggest one. He yeah. invited me to. I was playing. A show opening up for this band called Watch the Duck. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago at the Freehand in downtown LA on the rooftop. And like, I'm just, you know, demonstrating, playing my set. And like, um, you know, little did I know, Pharrell is like in the cut, like watching me yeah. and stuff and like standing Good. up and like wa- trying to see what I'm doing. Yeah. And like, after that, um, his friend KP. Uh, who his Kwan Prather? He works with like Dungeon Family and Ti. Um, I think they're like partners, yeah. like with for I Am Other. Oh that's yeah, for yeah, his yeah. brand, okay, uh, Pharrell's yeah. brand, yeah, yeah. brand. So like that's his right hand man, KP. He came up to me like, "Yo, uh, yeah, um, you know, P wants to meet you." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, who's mm. P?" Yeah, like, yeah. He's like Pharrell, and I'm like Williams. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, excuse me. If you, if you guys could have seen the look on her face when she said Williams, that would have been a gift that goes viral. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, yes. 
you know. But then it was just like I was being pulled in a lot of different uh, directions, so I didn't get to meet him. But he was like, "Yo, but like, yo, like he wants to, he wants to invite you to the studio. He wants to meet you at the studio, studio tomorrow." Yeah. And I'm like, "Bet." So I go, wow. so I go, I pack up my stuff and I go, and I wait a couple of hours, whatever, you know. And it's a beautiful studio, and then they move us into like a main studio or whatever, because I was like in a lobby, and then they yeah. moved us to a studio. And then I saw. Did you just uh, roll by yourself, or who'd you go with? No, I went with my manager oh, okay, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, my manager, she set it up, yeah. and she kind of like set it set it up with uh, KP okay. for me to meet up. And so I I waited a couple of hours. I have, and I was supposed to play at the Giffen Contemporary after that day too. So my day was busy, yeah. but um, I waited and waited, and I finally got to meet Pharrell. And like the first thing he did when we saw each other, it was like he was like. So what's your sign? And I was like, yeah, I'm a Pisces. He was like, when were you born? I was like, boom, boom, boom. I told him when Wait, I was born. Wait, what day were you born? I was born on March 4th. Uh, my mom's a Pisces. She's February 26th. Yeah, dude. And he was like, what time were you born? I'm like, oh, he's oh, about he did to, your chart. He's about to pull out my natal chart right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like on the phone on CoStar, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. I think he looked on CoStar. He really he, looked at your whole chart? He looked at my whole chart, oh, and wow. he was like, he read me down. Yeah. And he was like, uh, he was like, like you're a, I forgot. Yeah. I'm I'm dumb. I'm I, like you know it's probably not uh, something about Libra, Moon, Gemini rising, or Gemini Moon or Libra rising. One of those things. Yeah. And I was just like, hmm, this is cool. I think know? I'm a Libra rising too. I just for some reason I randomly did my chart the other day. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out like why are my wife and I so compatible and I was doing, looking at our uh, charts. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> There's no fire in my chart at all. I am a baby. Uh-huh. Like I this nothing but water and a yeah. little bit well, I'm, a, of, I'm a cancer I, uh, and, and cancers and Pisces get along really yeah, well though. I look like through my whole nails like the whole throne mm-hmm. there's no fire mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I am baby yeah. as fuck yeah. so but anyway like um, he so we're in was he studio. like oh, we're, we're gonna be compatible because I just read your chart we're gonna be good to work together Is that I don't know he was like would you describe yourself as the Libra I'm like uh, yeah. I don't know like for me at the time I was just very like I don't know, I'm just here, yeah. you know what I mean? I didn't have much, I feel like in retrospect, I didn't have much direction. I was just like, I'm Lena, I make beats, you know, yeah. and, you know, I'm very happy to meet you, and, like, I don't know, like, I want to play festivals, because he was asking me what, like, I want to do. Yeah, what, what, what was, what's your future, what do you want to do with What your do you want to do, yeah. yeah, and then he was asking me if I knew Flying Lotus, and I was like, yeah. I don't know him personally, yeah. you know, he was like, you sound, you were like, he was like, he was just telling me, like, he was listening, because I was playing a few things, and there was this one particular track that KP kept asking me to replay and replay, he was stuck on it, yeah. and I was like, damn, you know, I have other stuff I wanted him to listen to, I wanted Pharrell to listen to, yeah. But, like, KP wanted me to play this one particular track. Like, he was like, run it back, run it back. And I'm just like, okay, but my time is limited here. (laughs) Because he was sick, because Pharrell was sick. So he he couldn't spend much time. So I was like, I have so much I want to show him. But but also I'm being asked, like, by KP to play this one track. And he's the one that helped link us up. So I didn't want to, like, I just don't want to step on any toes. Absolutely. I just want to make a good impression, you know. So I was, like, doing, you know, I was asked, but he, while I was playing different things, he was just like, just like asking me about, so you program your drums here? Da, 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 da. 
on my SPs, and I was like, yeah. I, pro- I, I He was like, you do all your own drums? I'm like, yeah. yeah. I program all my shit. Like, I lay out all my drums, like, on my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, oh, man. He was like, oh. And then he was Pharrell, like. Because out of the Neptunes, Pharrell is, like, the drum guy, right? I think so. And and Chad was, like, the bass guy, I think. Yeah, like, the melody guy? Yeah. I don't know. I think, he, I think Pharrell is more of the drum guy, though, yeah. for sure. And, I mean, because that's, like, a legendary drum programmer complimenting your drum program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, like he was just asking me, like, yo, D. He was like, so how do you do, like, you know, you do all your drum programming yourself? I'm like, yes. Yeah. You know, and that's something that means a lot to me because I had spent a lot of time in my formative years, like, trying to make beats, trying to find my swing because I didn't want my shit to sound mechanical. Right. So, like, for me to find my swing back then and for him to compliment it now, I'm like, yeah. Because right. my shit is, like, groovy and right. swingy and not right. quantized. So, right. yeah, because that's what I always wanted. Yeah. So for him to recognize it, I'm like, cool. That's dope. Hell yeah. And then um, he was just telling me, yo, like, you know, he was just really, um, like, saying affirming things uh, about my artistry. And he was like, man, you have, like, great, you have a great ear. Like, your ear is, like great you yeah. know and i was able to give him a record and a tape That's and so like tight. i was able to take a picture with him and then like i would i hope i get another chance i mean that was a couple of years ago yeah. but i you know just I, a, just regardless of anything that ever happens of it that's something that like yeah, like he wanted you get to, to have me. that memory, right? You know I mean? Like it wasn't like a whole meet and greet. I want to no. sweepstakes, and no. I get to take a quick picture with him. Like, like he dog, invited you're me. You're talking about one of the <laughs> biggest hip hop producers yeah. of all time being like, "You're dope. Come hang out with me for a day." And I mean, even if it was just to like get your vibe and absorb some of your energy, like that's a really fucking high compliment. I feel like, yeah, man, that's so it means cool. Means a lot to me. That's so and cool. I hope, like you know, I, if it's meant to, like. You know, we got to tell ourselves yeah. what will be, will be. That's like, it. to comfort ourselves, yeah. like, what will be, will be. Like, if I'm meant to, if I'm meant to work with him and see him yeah. again, yeah. it'll happen. That's right. You know, da 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 I'm just going to keep my head down and keep working on That's stuff. Right. And just, like, if it, if it's meant to be, he's going to come back around yeah. and we're going to get that session. Like, yeah. that real session when it's just me and him, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I would hope, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to talk about your ear because okay. it seems like everybody compliments your ear. And I mean, obviously, to be a beat maker, the, the, <laughs> that's the first thing. Somebody that uses that's a the sample based production. The first thing you have to be able to recognize is a dope fucking sample. And sometimes they're really hidden. Yeah. So without spilling the beans, because I know how secretive sample artists can be. Like, yes. kind of, what does your digging process look like? Meaning. Do you do a lot of it online, or do you really go get your fingers dirty and go to record stores? Or I do is it a both? lot of it online, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do a lot of it online, and then, like, I I will I will decide on a genre or a flavor. Yeah. Like, mm, I feel like listening to some African funk. Yeah. Let's start with Fela. Yeah. And then I'll just, like, you know, look up go different... Go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, go down the rabbit hole. Or, I, oh, I want to listen to some... Japanese jazz fusion and then I'll just go and go down that from the 70s and then I'm real specific where I'll be like from the 70s or like from the 80s usually my sweet spot is like the 70s yeah there's something about like 74 to 86 or something like that when I'm digging where I'm like oh these are it's very like yeah yeah, dreamy or something yeah very more dreamy like more psychedelic yeah yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like ooh yeah Yeah, 70s baby but yeah but like 
like usually my jam is like Brazilian music. Yeah, I love like Brazilian. soca or what? Brazilian music, like I like Brazilian, like um, like uh, Brazilian, like rock, like psych rock. Oh yeah, or like alternative, like yeah. from like you know fusion. Yeah, um, like when and I could thank Madlib for that because Madlib is like my favorite producer, and, uh-huh. and listening to Madlib put me onto so much Brazilian music to where like that's like really my jam I really love how lush it is how it's like spacey psychedelic like they were fucking with some crazy chord progressions and like synths and like making stuff sound mad futuristic and like just like I said the chord progressions are crazy like Arthur Vedokai is crazy what that's something that I think the average civilian that listens to beat music or Mm. rap in general doesn't think about that producers are thinking about all the time is Mm. chord progressions because the more that you listen to music because like i said to be a sample based artist you have to listen to shit yeah. tons of music yeah you're listening to fucking 100 songs every time before you end up chopping one up probably or something yeah right? and so you hear you start to notice these patterns of the same progressions over and over and when you hear a different one it's like light bulb goes off yeah right yeah like yeah. like i have definitely have my list of favorite um brazilian artists yeah. japanese um yeah. musicians like like man, like I, I just I can't stress how much I love Brazilian music, mm, honestly. Mm. Like, and then, and then the way I found out about Brazilian music, not only it was from Madlib, was like from like who put me what like my friend uh, Byron uh, Left Brain from Our Future actually oh, yeah. put me onto Madlib and Brazilian music. Oh shit! Yeah, so yeah. it's just like it's all like very much so like connected, and I attach a lot of like memories and like I don't even know if I would know about Madlib or like like his medicine shows if it wasn't for Byron. Oh like, shit! Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, um, I think Our Future was like I guess they were being courted by like different labels, and like Stone Star was really like. Oh, so this to, was like back in like. Like 2010 or something? Yeah, 2009. Oh. So you like grew up with him? Or with I him? went to school. Switch, with, switch I went him. to Crenshaw with him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to Crenshaw with him yeah. and um and um Casey Veggies and oh, yeah. Mike G. Like all of us were oh, yeah. in school together. Shout out to Mike G. He's done the show. Yeah. 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 We're all like, we all went to Crenshaw together. We all had classes together. That's amazing. And we all became, we all just became cool after that because we were all listening to the same type of shit like, like the MF Doom and the Quasimodo Man, shit. it's so and wild to me how there are just these like little pockets of talent that find each other and then everybody goes on to have these like creative endeavors. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's dude. always weird to hear like who people grew up with and, and, and you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, con- the connections. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I, I think um, Our Future was being courted or, the, or Stone Star was just trying to like yeah. get cool. Well, I guess they were cool with Our Future yeah. and they were showing them a lot of love. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So then like I remember going over at Byron's house to kick it and then I came in I walked in his room and it was crazy like really crazy ill um, Brazilian uh, guy group is on and it just like it, have you ever had um have you ever had that sensation when you hear something and like it make it, it like it's like spine tangles it's like the it's like little um little like tentacles massaging the back of your brain oh yeah I mean that's that like I, my eyes water up when that happens to me too Ooh. like I could almost cry you know that's what like it's like that it was very that yeah. like little tentacles just massage like yeah. tiny tentacles yeah. massaging the back of my brain like yeah. my cere like cerebellum whatever whatever it is. But 
back that's then. cerebral, yeah. whatever the fuck. But it was crazy as fuck, and that's when I he was like showing me he had like a box full of like music and stuff from like Stone Throw, yeah. showing Mad Love, and I he let me pick out what I wanted. Of course, I grabbed that Brazilian flight to Brazil, Madeline Medicine Show flight to Brazil, and it was like from that point I was just those like game changers, like done yeah. like mad lib forever yeah mad lib forever yeah. like that's it what a nice little like i don't know what that is like a that's like kismet that you found that you for know? sure so mm-hmm. we're gonna wind this up and i just want to say like everyone's had this downtime what have you been working on do you have any upcoming projects for people to check out so i'm actually i'm actually working on like two projects right now one is an album is a project called it was a follow-up to my first album, Young, that released in 2016. This one, the follow-up, is called Lavender. And um, that's going to be... It's a follow-up to Young, you know? Mm-hmm. And Lavender is more about softness, and it's more melodic. And it's like... It's it's softer. It's just nice and it's more it's more melodic, but it's still gonna slap. It's still yeah. have the drums. It's like gentle slaps, you know, okay. like like a like a pet on the booty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a little, little love tap, right? You know? Right. But it's still gonna slap though. Yeah. And so like I've been working on lavender, and I'm I'm planning for that to be 16 tracks. I'm still working on it, and also creating a possible like creating visuals for that too. For like um an idea for a visual mix tape sick as well because now spotify and everything you can like upload videos to every song and all that yeah, for yeah. spotify i think so i like sometimes I, I don't know how the people do it but yeah. like I, I click on you know a song that's like on a new popping playlist and it'll have like a little mini video like Word. looping behind it i don't I'm like, know i didn't know that yeah. i've never seen that yeah. that's tight though yeah so yeah lavender is like i'm excited about that i feel really good that's a great name that. for a gentle slap on the butt album yeah. too it's like oh it's like, it's like a lavender tap yeah dude mm-hmm. like very like soft you know like it's i think it's a lavender is more about just like exploring the idea of softness and vulnerability and how people um misconstrue being vulnerable or being soft as like being weak and it's not that so it's just like really kind of like delving into like just exploring those ideas and those like kind of like textures and concepts and stuff like that so lavender boom and then i'm working on uh an ep which is like an experimental house and um, juke EP called Prism. Yeah. Um, so that's like more up tempo. Yeah, Prisms. Yeah. And I have like maybe a couple, I have a couple tracks done on that um, already. And yeah, I'm excited because it's like I've never really made, I started making house after G passed. But um, yeah, like um, after he, like, you know, it said he transitioned. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I fell into like this little house he grew. So I made a couple of like house tracks that I, I actually like, I like them. Nice. I really do. And I'm excited to play those like out for shows or whatever and what have you. But yeah, Prism is like the um, Prism is is like the experimental house and Juki P. And I already had like the aesthetic for it in my head. Like it's gonna be iridescent, like mad, like just like color shifting, prismatic, holographic, like yeah. all of those like type of like energies. I just didn't know what it was gonna sound like at the time. And it wasn't until I made like that first house beat. I'm like, oh like cause I have I come up with concepts before I actually make the music for some reason. Oh no shit. Mm. You got synesthesia, huh? What do you as like like, like I can co- see colors? You see colors from from sounds and shit. 
I don't know. Maybe I do. I mean, I feel like I see concepts uh, of, like, ideas before I hear the music. Okay. Like, I can see something, like... Oh, I can see how this gonna look. I can see the name of it, but I, I'm not sure how it's okay. gonna sound yet. And then yeah. the sound will just come to me organically. So I didn't realize it until I'm in my first house beat. I'm like, oh, prism. I'm like, hell yeah. It's like, cause it's and uh, prism is supposed to be like, it was it's supposed to be aesthetically ambitious. Like I have like ideas of how it's gonna look. Like the packaging is gonna look like nutty. So, like, but I wanted the music to match it. You feel me? I wanted mm-hmm. the music to be just as, like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So, it kind of happened that way where I was making house. I'm like, oh, this is what Prism's supposed to sound like. Mm-hmm. Some house shit. I Some got you. shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I That's because it's different. So, yeah. it's going to be like, oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you mentioned um, a car accident twice, and it sounds like it was kind of a life-changing event. Yeah. So, I'm kind of wondering, like, when that took place and then also what like it was it a life-threatening thing well that happened in 2013 okay yeah yeah it was in 2013 it was like around the time i was like volunteering for stone star i was really excited but then i got into a car accident it was yeah i got into a car accident and i couldn't walk for six months oh my god i, I was incapacitated um i fractured my hip and my femur on my left and i <sighs> dislocated my elbow on my right so i couldn't move on both sides you, you, you broke your femur or dislocated you said i fractured my oh, femur. Fractured your femur. yeah i fractured my hip and my femur man you can die from a femur fracture huh like people bleed to death from that shit low key yeah yeah wow. like yeah and then i dislocated my elbow on yeah. my right oh so I you have this the really surgery cool scar that kind of looks like mud cloth print yeah so but anyway yeah yeah but um so you were out for a six months were you like in the hospital for six months no i was at home okay yeah i was at, i was at home yeah. i decided to be rehabilitated to learn how to stand and walk and do like basic oh. functions again all my own yeah um i was in a wheelchair for probably four months like and then i was probably on on a cane for maybe two and then that was like from june to like december and by january 2014 i was back in school back at work yeah and then by um by june uh summer i mean i mean by by june 2014 I was playing shows. Yeah. Like, I decided to really make beats and playing shows. And it was crazy because, like, at the time um, when I was rehabilitating, um, like I said, I was, I keep mentioning that I was volunteering for Stone Store because I was, like, helping to promote their, the helping to promote the party for, the release party for our Vinyl Ways of Tender documentary. Oh, yeah. And I missed the party. Like, it was the week because of, of that. because of that. And I was supposed to be there. And I was, I was, like, killing it. And, but I had to call them and tell them I couldn't make it. But because, like, uh, I reached out to them, they actually sent me, like, a care package of music. Oh. And that's why Stone Store means a lot to me because they showed me mad love, even when I wasn't able to, like, help. to help anymore, I would already help. But, like, yeah. they were already, like, super generous and kind towards me. And I used, I listened to that music, like, during my whole re- rehabilitation. Like, they sent me a care package of, like, maybe five or six CDs. Yeah. Like, Mad Libs and, like, different stuff. Like, different stuff that I liked. And I listened to that music. That music was kind of like the soundtrack to my re- rehabilitation. And, like, that that's what inspired me to really start, like, trying to make music on my own. Wow. Because I would be watching Boiler Rooms and and seeing all the stuff and all the, like, bananas flyers that I couldn't go to watching everything, like, happen. And I'm just, like, at home in bed. What's that time at home in bed like? 
Oh, it's like um, it's like being a baby, but like having full grown knowledge of whatever is going on. But so what not does being that do to, to you? What does that do to your emotional health? It's like weird. Yeah. It's, of course, it's like weird. It's it's messed up. Like yeah. like how else would you feel? Right. Well, that I guess what I'm saying is like I know myself. Yeah. If I was stuck like that, yeah. I, I mean that would be like probably one of my deepest depressions. I would hit. I was just really sad, but I did have like support and my friends coming yeah. to visit me and my family. My mom taking People care, like out. like looking out for me and taking care for me. It sounds like it became an inspirational thing for you too, because you found this music while you. Yeah, yeah. I was like listening to this music the whole time, and yeah. I had my SP four hundred four already, so oh, okay. I was still like so you got to like, around. You were like forced into shedding, kind of like you were like you know shedding. Shedding is like this little jazz term that I love. Oh. Uh, it's uh, people used to say that I'm shedding. It means you're locking yourself in the woodshed to get better at your instrument. Oh. So like jazz musicians would like disappear for a couple months. And yeah. Lock themselves that's in a room exact, and get better. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. I was definitely like on my SP 404 just learning all yeah. like because I, I already had it for like maybe two years. But then I really locked in and like, for a year. And then I was like because I was rehabilitating and learning how to walk. Like all I had was like, you know, I was just yeah. on my SP and like I mean I'm I'm okay now like obviously I'm walking and stuff yeah. like that but I definitely one thing I I realized that I couldn't like I, I realized that I that's that changed really drastically that I kind of low-key took for granted like I don't really dance as much anymore right. I can't it doesn't I, it doesn't it doesn't feel as fluid anymore uh-huh. as it used to be and I used to dance a lot right. like a lot you know what I mean? I used to go to like dub club and dance with reggae pops yeah. all night, like oh, yeah. on Wednesdays. Right? Like I was like I love to dance, you know. And uh, so it was just like that. Definitely, I didn't realize how it affected me until like one night I tried to go dancing, and it's like the rhythm and the, the the movement that was so fluid to me before was just not. Yeah. It was just not hitting the same. And I was just like, whoa. Man, that's, that's weird. Yeah, that's a shitty feeling. Yeah, it's weird, especially because like I love to dance. Like I can't even believe that, like that's a past tense for me. Yeah. <laughs> How sad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Lena, thank you so much for coming in. First mm, and foremost, I appreciate me. it. Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate you like working with us on the like the safety regulations we're trying to do, and because yeah. I know we are just getting back to starting to film after like two months of being locked in the fucking house, wow. and so you know. If, for me, this feels great just because it's like this is part of it me is. staying sane, you know what I'm saying, yeah. just talking to people yeah. and being able to stay a little bit busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, so thank you for coming in. Amazing story. I thank, loved it. Thank you so You're much joy for to talk having, to you. Thank you so much for yeah. having me and your, thank you for, I appreciate your patience. Of course, yeah. of course. So with that being said, tell the people where they can find you online. You can find me on any social media um, app at Lena Fornia. That's L I N A F O R N I A on Twitter, Instagram, and all that ism. And also on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Everything is spelled the same. Yeah. Lena Fornia. L I N A F O R N I A. Hit me up. Yep. My newest stuff, all my newer uh, mixes, because yep. I do, I DJ. So I, I have like mixes and new mixes and new beats and things like that are uploaded to SoundCloud. There you go. My SoundCloud, which is Lena Fornia. Lena Fornia. Yeah. 
very easily Googleable name. Yes, yeah, super Google. Yeah. All my shit pops up. Yeah, my good. algorithm is very, like, woof. very SEO friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Lena, thank you so much for coming in. I look forward to like years and years of production from you. Mm. Um, you ever work with rappers? I do sometimes. Sometimes? Do it have to be something that you really like? Yeah. 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 I do sometimes. I feel like people would sound great over your beats. Yeah. One of these days, you're going to like, it's going to be that Mad Lib Freddie Gibbs kind of combo or I whatever. Would, and yo, that would be, I, I just want, for, I just care about, I just want things to sound dope. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, and like, that's all I really care about, whether it's with a rapper, with yeah. the singer, with the poet. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just wanted to sound good. That's yeah. all I care about. If it sounds good, I'm all for it. Actually, I just did like a track with some folks from TDE. Oh, no shit. Like a, a couple of weeks ago, like Dope. Punch from oh, yeah, TDE Punch. and Daylight and Willie B and some other cats too. I can't remember. Da- Daylight, uh, the battle rapper? Yeah. Oh, he's sick. Yeah. I That's did some, a... I did some little, like something, something with them, see how it goes, like two, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Called Master of Ceremonies. So, yeah. Like, I do this stuff with rappers. That's tight. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I, I want to give it a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Everybody, make sure to go check out Lena Fornia yeah. on SoundCloud, on follow her on Instagram. She got plenty of Instagram videos videos to peep there's youtube stuff there's all kind of shit uh so go follow her and then she's gonna perform like a little beat medley yeah uh, from lavender from stuff, lavender stuff so from it's gonna lavender. be gentle taps on the booty <laughs> just just gentle slaps you know not aggressive <laughs> slaps and um yeah so you guys can find that where we are which is on youtube.com slash kind of neat my name is lee some of you guys might know me as intuition you can follow me online at its intuition across all platforms follow my man ben shim behind the boards making this shit sound buttery at Benjamin Shim on all platforms. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat and youtube.com slash Kinda Neat where you're going to find Lena Fornia performing. My name is Lee. That was Lena Fornia and this was Kinda Neat. Peace.